Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Joanna Brandy, welcome to the show. You're an author, speaker, and I hear that you're the chief happiness officer, so I'm so excited to talk to you today. I think we need more happiness in the world, and so I'm super excited to have this conversation today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, yes. Um, You know, there are so many directions we could go today with um, happiness. You're kind of an expert on happiness. Not only have you written books about happiness, you're, you've coached corporations on happiness. You've also coached CEOs. You've coached individuals on happiness. And so let's just start with what, what in the world motivated you to get into the happiness business? What, what, what was happening that you got in the happiness business? Well, I'd been already, I'd been uh, 15, 16, 17, something years like that, Mm -hmm. into the business of customer loyalty. So I was working inside of organizations, Mm -hmm. teaching people how to make their customers happy. Okay. When I went in as a consultant, I got to talk to all kinds of people in the organization because that's how I work. Mm -hmm. And um, in the end, after all these years of consulting, one thing I began to notice is that it always it always came down to the culture and the leadership. The companies that had the easiest time taking better care of customers had a particular type of culture, and it was very people-focused. Mm-hmm. It was very focused on how do my people feel. And then after a while, I began hearing the same, you know when you hear the same thing over and over again and your brain goes, uh-oh, bingo? Yes. I started hearing this. How come they never notice me when I do something right, but when I do something wrong, they're all over me? Hmm, interesting. The same phrase in different places over a series of years. Right. And that's when it really all started. I, I follow the science, you know, so uh-huh. that's when it all really started to come together. And I found that whenever I worked as a consultant, I invariably ended up in the corner office. Hmm. When I was hired, they might have said, oh, there's something wrong with them. Right. Them, those people that take care of the customers. By the time I left, the fingers were pointing in another direction. Right. And that was usually at the leadership team because they they didn't pay the kind of attention they needed to to the people that actually dealt with the customers. Right. So I started developing programs called Managing to Thrive and started doing mm-hmm. management training. Mm-hmm. And then one day I'm sitting right here in the space and uh, somebody sent me an email. And they said, all the email said was, this is tomorrow night. If you could make it, I think you'd really like it. That was it. Mm -hmm. And it was an invitation to a teleclass long Mm -hmm. before Zoom. Right. An invitation to a teleclass that was featuring Dr. Martin Seligman. Okay. Now, Dr. Seligman, as I knew him at the time, was the author of a book called Learned Optimism. And that's where I learned that I wasn't an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I looked into his work, and uh, he was quite the famous psychologist. And... I sat in this chair, and the moment the man opened his mouth, it's as if a lightning bolt came through the top of my head mm-hmm. all the way down. And I was I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to be sold something. Oh, my <laughs> God. Coming out of here. And for the next six months, I very happily spent it mm-hmm. uh, with Marty and became one of his 850 authors authentic happiness coaches from around the world. We worked in groups. We worked with pods. We worked with other teachers. We worked worked with master coaches. And Marty's idea, he had just written the book, uh, Authentic Happiness. And Mm -hmm. his idea was, let me teach these people from various walks of life to put my work inside their work Mm -hmm. and take it out to the world. And that's exactly what I did. Because what I learned there was was custom made for me to go inside organizations. I was already I was already known. My first book was called Winning at Customer Retention: 101 Ways to Keep Them Happy, Keep Them Loyal, and Keep Them Coming Back. Mm-hmm. So I was already doing speeches on how do we keep customers happy. So it was, it, it just fell in very mm-hmm. well with that. And and uh, help me understand then because I have not heard of him before t- until uh, the last couple of days. So. Tell me, what is the, what, what's the basis of the work or what's the foundation of his work? Oh, wow. Marty did some seminal work many, many years before on something called learned helplessness. Okay, yep. 
uh, and they discovered, and back then, these were a lot of animal studies, so some mm-hmm. people get a little, you know, right. wild up about right. that kind of stuff, but um, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Marty was one of the world's best-known psychologists at the time, mm-hmm. and a lot of his work came out of that body of work that says we can learn to be helpless. What else can we learn? Right. What other things can we learn? Mm-hmm. And he was, he's now known as the father of positive psychology. Oh, interesting. He, okay. He literally started an industry. When he discovered the story is magnificent that I was telling it last week with the group, um, he was he was in the yard. He has seven or eight children, lots of kids. Mm-hmm. And he was in the yard, and he's a very serious man. He takes his work really serious. You'd never look at him and go, oh, look at that mm-hmm. happy man. Right, that's a happiness yeah. guy. Yeah, that's yeah, a happiness right. coach. Uh, and he's in, he's in the yard with his youngest daughter, Nikki, who was maybe five years old at the time. And, and he's pulling weeds, and he's very serious, and she's supposed to be helping him pull weeds. and But she's not. She's five. So, right. you know, you're yep. little kids. Yep. She's throwing the weeds in the air, and she's dancing around and singing, and he yells at her. And she gets very upset. Mm-hmm. And she turned around and she said, you know, you're being a grouch. Right. <laughs> and he said, well, we're doing, you know, serious work here. And she looked at him very seriously. And she said, you know, Daddy, when I turned five years old, I was able to stop whining. I stopped myself from whining. You know how hard that was? If I can stop myself from whining, you can stop yourself from being a grouch. I love it. And apparently it knocked him over. Good. So he went from that conversation to searching through the psychological literature and found out that there was almost 20, almost a 20 to one ratio between the literature that talked about how do we take illness Mm -hmm. and make people normal because all of the money after world war II for research went into figuring out how to get people out of shell shock. Right. So, but at that time there was no actual research saying, okay, how do you take the normal person and help them have a thriving, flourishing life? Right. So he raised $40 million. Oh, wow. Became the president of the American Psychological Association. Oh, wow. And he um, he went on to, to enlist other people. The work was being done, but mm-hmm. it wasn't being recognized. Got it. He gathered that together, and that's literally how the field of positive psychology and the science of happiness started and I, I it's a humble story so i i love that that the the words of a child right would do something to him now marty's he's a serious guy i just got i feel so honored and and so happy about it i just saw him we were both at the um happiness summit down at mm-hmm. the world happiness summit uh-huh. down in miami mm-hmm. and i actually got time alone away with him right which was mind-boggling for me and the ironic thing is we really didn't i didn't sit there and interview him and ask a million questions right. i told him a story about the lightning bolt and he was mm. he was fascinated about this idea of energy yes. and how yeah well because that's not the world he really deals in you know oh interesting so, yeah you know, he deals more in the and the body mind the body mind certainly but right. not, not necessarily the energetic field right but uh, oh he and i had the best conversation and i i was it was great yeah it was great yeah, yeah, and it was didn't have anything to do with me. It had to do with the fact he couldn't hear. We were at a party, and it was too loud. <laughs> and I said, Marty, I really want to talk to you. And he said, well, I can't hear anything in here. Right. And we can find a quiet space, and somebody overheard us and took us to a oh, quiet nice. space. Yeah. So talk about, talk about fortune smiling on you, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Beautiful man. And so what... It, so, so this has been your field, this has been your study, this has been what you've done vocationally and probably your life's work. Oh, it's definitely my life's work. <laughs> what, what, if, so, you know, we have a limited time on this podcast. What, what, what do you find, if we look at broad strokes, what makes people happy? Oh, that's a big question. I know, but you're the expert, so I get to ask big questions to big people. So what, if you do broad strokes, what makes people happy? The broad stroke is when you look for happiness out there, Uh your happiness will never be lasting. There you go. Okay. When you look for happiness in here, Mm -hmm. when you, when you seek pleasure, Mm -hmm. when you seek engagement, relationship, meaning and accomplishment. And of course that's Marty's term in PERMA. Uh, when, when you when you seek those things in combination, mm-hmm. you feel happiness. And I think the thing I learned the most about it is that it's not happiness is just not some 
flighty little state of mind. It's a, it's a total state of the body. Okay. Because the chemicals your body produces when you are in a positive emotional state produces wellness in your body. Okay. The chemicals your body produces when you are having negative thoughts, doing negative things, berating yourself, comparing yourself, produces the chemicals that produce illness in the body. So for me, it's it's a very physical thing, and I think that's the biggest part of my message mm-hmm. is that. And and the other part, which blew me away, was that fifty percent of your happiness is genetic. So mm-hmm. there are those who are not genetically happy. I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to re- refer to myself more for the dramatic interest, I guess, as a recovering pessimist because mm-hmm. I think I will be recovering from the pattern of thinking I was brought up with. Right. I was raised by two amazing people, both children of immigrants, Mm -hmm. um, both of whom were lawyers. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If we're going to stereotype, I get what you're saying. (laughs) And both Italian. Oh, okay. What do they teach you in law school? They teach you to look for what's wrong. Right. Yep. And I also went to Catholic school. <laughs> what do nuns do? They also are very busy looking for what's wrong. Now, that may have changed, but right. um, I was not a happy child. Mm-hmm. I didn't look for what was right. I, I uh, Up until, I think, yesterday, I was still looking in the mirror and berating myself. Right. You know, it, The old habits, the old habits of thinking that we have really are what uh, determine there are some physical things too, but mm-hmm. really determine how much happiness we have. So for me, the process of almost 20 years now has been uh, examining my thinking, mm-hmm. being more mindful, uh, you know, actually asking the question, excuse me, where did your mind just go? Right. You know, a moment ago you felt great. Now you feel like crap. What happened between here and there? And I will actually, I teach my clients this. Mm-hmm. Notice what you notice. Where, where is your attention going? Mm-hmm. What are you looking at? You know, especially now. I mean, it takes two seconds of, of just lifting your smartphone up. Or, right. You know, it can put you into a, a state. I I uh, I didn't know on the 4th of July uh, about that, about the shooting until right. the next day. Right. And the moment I picked up my phone and saw that, I could, I could feel the change in my body. Right. Yep. And it was very visceral because it had been my birthday weekend, and I was really, very happy. I was with friends. I was doing things I loved. Um, so I, I I really noticed. And it was like, you know, the part of me, the curious part of me, the intellectual part of me, wanted to know more. Right. Wanted to know where it happened, how did it happen, who did it. But I wanted to go there. And then the other part of me said, you know, can't do anything about it. Right. Sit silently and say a prayer for those who are, for anybody who's suffering, right? For because of that or something else, but that's what you can do, right? Yep. Don't go looking, yeah, because that's going to make you, yeah. So there's a there's a, there's a different level of awareness, I think, when you're a you know, happiness walla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I I think there's just a different level of awareness because for me, happiness is tenuous. I've spent you know a great portion of my life going in and out of depression mm-hmm. and. You know, not knowing where it came from, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that anymore. Right. And I also want to be a warrior for what I teach. Sure, yeah. I definitely. want people to understand. Uh, it took many, many years, and and you know, complete burnout before I even, for a moment, knew I had PTSD. I didn't know it was PTSD. Right. I thought I was resilient. I'd fall on my ass and I'd get back up again. Right. Who knew that I was building up a reservoir of energy in my body that was very, very negative until my body took me out. And that, that made what I do for a living so much more profound for me. Well, sure, and yes. And I believe that moving forward, I also believe there are no accidents. So I think but that moving forward, my having a working knowledge of what post-traumatic growth looks like mm-hmm. is going to be very, very important because we have all been traumatized now. Yes, yeah, definitely. You know, I was just having lunch literally today with a very good friend of mine, and we were having... A discussion uh, s- similar to this, and and it and it and yes, I I truly feel like that all of us have have been affected and are probably being affected more than we know uh, at the time that we're being affected. And and it, it kind of cued back to something that I heard you say on, a, on another podcast about like 
ways to be happy. And one of them was to like, not watch the news. Right. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and for me, it, it became, uh, first I detox from the news. So I quit watching any time. I don't watch any television program. I watch series on like everybody else. I binge watch series. Right. Yeah. Right. And I get a, a commercial now. is like painful. I watched something last night my wife and I watched a, a documentary last night on YouTube and they started playing commercials. I was like, I would have paid the $3 just not to watch the commercials. It's so annoying. But um, but you know, it, for, for me, it was kind of, I, I was around people, I was around business people that were watching the news every day and I just saw what a dramatic effect it had on their psyche, right? They just were like negative and everything was the sky was falling and this political party was bad or that political party was bad or taxation. It was just, every time I talked to them, it was just, it was just this complaining and this just negativity and so that's when I started backing away from news, uh, like like normal national type news, and then and then I noticed that I had to kind of do the same thing on. I was watching or looking at the news on Facebook, like I click on the news link, but then it still was having the same effect. And 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 to some degree, it was. I, I think we're from my own personal growth over the last gosh two decades anyway. It seems like that we all have some type of addiction to drama, like we have some type of internal. Right. It's like like bad news travels faster than good news. And, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. When it comes to the news and stuff like that. So so it's an addiction. But if I'm aware that it's an addiction, then I could at least have some thing to do with it. I could say, well, I'm either I have an addiction. Like if I'm an alcoholic, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I'm an alcoholic, but I'm not going to stop drinking. So therefore, I'm going to be an alcoholic, or I can say I'm going to do something with it because it's ruining my relationship. And I think it's kind of the same way with, with media and with drama. At some point, you got to own your own, excuse my language, you got to own your own shit, right? You got to, right? And, and part of owning it is saying, okay, if I'm choosing to look at the news feed, then I'm going to make that as a conscious choice. And I know that I'm just allowing my reptilian brain to enjoy gore, Right, it's just the negativity of life. You just put your finger on it. We're wired yeah. for that. Yeah, it's it, it's you know we they have we haven't had an upgrade in the hard drive in what two hundred fifty thousand years. <laughs> so we're we're wired to to react to that because right. the brain's job is not to keep you happy. The brain's job is to keep you safe. Right, exactly. So if there's a loose gunman in the area, right. you want to know about it. You know, if there's a a chance that this disease coming, you know, right. it's, it's important to know about that's where the notice what you notice comes in and notice right. not only notice what you notice, but notice your reaction to it. Sure. So, it, and, and it's all biologically, it, it, it's, it's how we're wired right. to stay safe. The problem is that we don't need quite that much wiring. Right. Uh, and of course, Madison Avenue has figured out how to hook us, right. you know, with, with that response. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the drug companies, we were talking about, you know, you, you change the channel. If I do watch anything on network TV, I'm there every time one of those drug commercials on, I push the button. So right. I can't see what those happy people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because they're talking about drugs and then they're talking about the side effects to drugs. Yes. It's, it's helped me so much to understand the brain mm-hmm. and the biology. Right. And that for me has really been absolutely crucial. And I've also, I studied out at um, HeartMath. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very I familiar with that. Years yeah. ago and yeah. I follow them and I use their, I use their little thing and clip uh-huh. it on my ear and watch my heart rate. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned so much from, when you get angry and you stay angry for more than five minutes, it shuts your immune system down for up to six hours. Oh, wow. Who I did not know that. Do wow. that? Right. So I make it a point. I, I have a program called Don't Believe Everything You Think. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's one of these hour long, I do lunch and learn programs. Occasionally mm-hmm. I get to do it in person and it's real fun. Right. But it's, it's fun just to do. I've got cool slides and all that. But I go into the brain stuff pretty heavily mm-hmm. to get people to understand and dramatically so with the kinds of slides I use, use a lot of photographs, mm-hmm. dramatically so get people to understand what's going on in the brain and the body mm-hmm. That's that and, and what it's causing. Because the opposite is true. If you look at something that gives you, that is beautiful and that mm-hmm. gives you pleasure or that has meaning or that touches your heart, your body is going to produce enough of those positive chemicals if you stay with that feeling for a moment or two uh, to, to keep your immune system running at its optimum peak for almost six hours. 
Right. So, so you're, especially with COVID, I got really verbal about this stuff Mm -hmm. because if you want to stay well, and I think that's why so many people got sick. Mm -hmm. I really think it has something. There was so much fear, even in my own family. There was so much fear that it was coming. I dropped my, I spoke to a neighbor today that had it recently. Mm -hmm. And she said, I dropped my guard. I said, what'd you do? She said, she went somewhere. She went one place without her mask and somewhere along the line, she got COVID and she's convinced that that's how she got it because she dropped her guard. Guard, No, if you were on guard all the time, (laughs) your immune system was probably pretty battered, you know, rather than, you know, here we go. We were outdoors most of the time. People got out of their homes for a change. Yes. (laughs) Well, they allowed us out, but you know, it was, um, yeah. I think, I think this is the stuff that should be taught in second grade. Right. Yeah, definitely. I am talking to someone about trying to get into the New York City school system because this is the stuff. And one of my teachers, I am, I am certified as a chief happiness officer. Mm-hmm. So I've been, you know, it's, it's, it, you go through a learning process. And yeah. my teacher is a man by the name of Dr. Sandro Formica. He's an Italian man. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a professor here at Florida International and also several places in Italy. He teaches happiness to children in Italy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he brings a group of children. He brings a group of people together. And last week, I went to visit a friend, a fellow CHO out in Naples. Mm-hmm. And she has a wonderful place called the House of Gaia. Mm-hmm. And that's been there for like 15 years. It's a community center, mm-hmm. completely nonprofit. And she's... Certif- she's certified by different teachers, some different teachers and some same teachers. And I, and I came in there and sat down and there were these lovely people sitting around and she said, let's just talk about your journey and what you've done. So she's starting children and she has a special affinity for autistic children. Right. She teaches this to children from the time they're little and she does it with art and she does it with music. So kids are growing up in Naples, Florida, and and knowing positive psychology when they're when they're little, so they can actually use it in their lives. Right, you know, I have I have young kids, a two year old and a seven year old, and my two year old, I truly know is wired differently. I can see it. I can. I is mean, it? she and and with my seven year old too, but definitely with the two year old, I've noticed that at, left. At least, I, I think, in a loving, happy environment. I'll, I'll frame it that way first. In a loving, happy environment, the default is joy. Because what I notice that my kids always are looking for happiness and joy. And the only thing that typically gets in the way of their happiness and joy is when their parents want to put parameters on their happiness and joy, right? So, so I, you know, my, my, my little uh, two-and-a-half-year-old Sophie she will just dance and she will play and she will just be joyful. She'll hug the dog. She'll give us hugs and kisses. She'll, she'll even yell at her brother or whatever. Um, she wants to be tickled. Like she'll just want, she, like literally you tickle her and she'll say, tickle me again, right? Because th- their default is joy. And, and I think I, I, I have hope for the future of our society that that is going to become more and more the norm is the default is joy because we haven't beat it out of them or trained it out of our kids the way that maybe other generations, you know, kind of, kind of had the, the discipline, spare the rod, spoil the child type mentality. And it, and it, I think there's definitely, there needs to be discipline in a child's life. There needs to be structure in a child's life. We're not so, you know, peace, love, and whatever that, you know, the children, they don't rule the house. They have a bedtime. They have routines. The children thrive with routine. Um, yes, they do. Because it's safe. But once they feel safe, I've noticed that, yeah, and my son's the same way. They just are joyful. They, they are always looking for a reason to, to play. They're always looking for a reason to gauge in happiness. And a lot of times I have to stop and look at my own programming. I remember specifically an example where we live on this lake in, in Kansas, and we have this little beach, and so you can walk just into the water, and it was like October, and my son must have been three years old or something, and he had on all, all of his clothes, and, and he started to walk towards the water, and I was like, Sam, you, you can't walk in the water. And he looked at me, and he said, why? <laughs> and I stopped. I, it literally it was kind of like the example you were giving uh, with, uh, with the little girl, the five-year-old. I stopped. And I said, actually, I don't know why you can't, so go ahead. 
And he just walked in the water with his tennis shoes and his socks and his pants and he got wet and it was cold. I put my feet, I was like, holy shit, that's cold. But, but it was super cold. But you know what? It was just that programming I had in my head that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And so I try to be super conscious of my own programming and be aware of it that what am I projecting into my kid's life? I mean, am I... Exactly, exactly. Right? I mean... I, yeah, I, I, I know it completely because I had so much of, I had so much fear injected in mine, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. up until the time. Uh, my mom was in her 90s when she passed. And if I stopped, I, I used to do a lot of traveling because I did a lot of stage work. Uh-huh. And um, there was a time when there weren't quite as many direct flights to Florida because right. I've been here almost 30 years. And so I'd have to stop in Atlanta. And my mother, I, I checked in with my mother as she got older. And if I called her from Atlanta and said, oh, she's, where are you? Where are you? We always be like, where are you? Where are you? She always had that fear in her voice, anxiousness. Well, she was, yeah, it had to do with her profession and other things. But, um, and I'd say, it's okay, mom, I'm in Atlanta and the plane's going to be late. So I I won't call you when I get home. I wanted to call you now. She would literally go, oh my God, what are you going to (laughs) do? And this was a highly educated, very sophisticated woman. But because in her mind, if she ever got stuck, she didn't travel. Oh. So in her mind, if she got stuck in an airport, what would... and, and I said, I don't know, Ma, I'll go to the bar, I'll have something to eat, maybe I'll meet someone nice. Right. You know, and I would have to calm her down. Wow, yeah. Because her negative bias right. was so strong. Right. The older she got, the more that happened. And that's something I have noticed with some people. She she got more fearful, but that had to do with her work. So um, she was, uh, she was at that age, she was a judge and she saw, she saw some of the worst of life. And that's why lawyers, judges, those kinds of professions, if they don't get well-trained in their thinking, they bring that with them. That's what they see. Sure. Of course. And and that's what I, I also, I think have hope um, for my own life, my kids' lives, uh, humanity in general. But I think the more that we have these discussions like we're having today, the more that we continue to have discussions around, you can, you can, you can have, everybody's had some drama, trauma in their mm-hmm. life. You, that's the human condition. There is no getting out of it. It, it. Even if you didn't experience it, then you perceive that you experienced it. So you're still yeah, going absolutely. to, right? Mm-hmm. So real or perceive, you, you've had you've had stuff and have stuff to overcome. We all have that, but we don't have to do it in isolation anymore, right? We can find groups mm-hmm. of people that we can visit with, share with about. And I think, I think of nothing else. I think the whole COVID and the shutdown and everything else, I think this, that almost made it uh, magnified the fact that we have to be in community with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, absolutely. right. We can't just hide under a box or hide in our houses or, and, and be healthy. Uh, I mean, I, I know I experienced a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, in the beginning it was nice for the first month cause it was kind of like a vacation for me cause I didn't have to work. It, some of my businesses were closed and other stuff I couldn't go visit. And so I was at home and with the kids and the family. And so for a while it was nice. And then after that, it was like, okay, wait a second, who am I and what's going on? And I just wasn't in relationship to any, anyone outside my direct family. And, and, and then it got kind of ugly. It did. It was like very beyond, I think depression. It was just a very low p- point in my life. And that's when I realized it's like, you know, what really brings me joy is actually being in conversations about things that matter Matter. Right. And things with people who are also um, leaning into things that matter. Right. right. Um, and so I find so much joy and so much purpose in having like today, th- this conversation. And then, w- but you know, with, with basically anybody who's leaning into the space or navigating, it's like, I know I'm broken, but I'm also happy that I'm here experiencing this life and I want to, figure it out as much as I can and continue to go forward. Right. I mean, it, there's. And more than ever, it's figure out a bowl. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pop on, you know, I sit and have lunch with Joe Dispenza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. You know, right. I am all my, yesterday I found a, a clip of Carolyn Mace, who I haven't studied within years. Uh-huh. And I 
forgotten some of her, you know, peculiar wording about mm-hmm. things, the inflection, her New England right. accent and stuff. And I was, the, the lecture was good, but I was getting so much joy out of <laughs> the remembering of all the years right. that I studied her work because it came, came like rushing back. Right. It was fun. And I think the lang- I think the languaging, uh-huh. and I think that's one of the things that I try to do, especially inside an organization, is introduce languaging. And I even even with friends, you know, are you disasterizing? Are you catastrophizing? Are right. you awfulizing? Are you, you know, because there's a whole language to being a victim. Yep. Yep. And I know because I'm I've I've been there and occasionally when yep. I don't get enough sleep I'm back there. Right. So it's, it's it's default. So I have to really I work that into my own language with myself. Mm-hmm. But I think the closest groups of friends around me know to look at me and say, Ah, uh, are you disasterizing? Right. Or are you thinking of what the highest goodness is? Right. And I'm like, oops, you know, because all of a sudden you realize you've stepped outside what what the desired norm is for this group of people that you want to be in. You want to be thinking right. of goodness. You want to be thinking of, you know, the, 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 this, the great questions of how could, you know, how can I use this? What's possible here? Right. Um, you know, there's so many, I love questions. So uh-huh. I just collect them because there are so many good questions that you can ask to pull yourself out of that victim mode. And I, I think, I think anybody that leans towards pessimism, leans towards that really owes it to themselves if they want to have a full and happy life to learning more because we have a happiness set point and if we don't do something to outsmart it we're always going to drop back to our happiness set point and so let's talk about that because i know you do a lot of work around that so let's talk about this happiness set point what what kind of creates it and then what how can we affect it well 50 percent of it is genetic right and 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 i get asked a lot especially with from smart people is that nature or is that nurture I said, I don't know. You tell me. You have a baby. You've been waiting nine months for this darling little smiling gorgeous bundle. The kid is lactose intolerant, screams all the time, keeps you up at night. You can't function at work the next day. How good are you as a parent? Right. <laughs> are you always present with love? And, right. You know, parenting is really hard it if is. you have a difficult kid. Right. So can I draw a line and say that's nature and that's nurture? I can't draw that line. Right. And now the work that, that Bruce Lipton is doing mm-hmm. in epigenetics, the, the, the environment in mama's belly mm-hmm. the last three months matters. So if mama's real anxious about having that baby, right. that baby is marinating a stress hormone before right. the kid ever comes out. Right. So there's so much that goes into that. So I ask people to just accept it on faith that 50% is genetic. Right. If you don't feel happy when you wake up in the morning, I call it being on the, I use a pie, uh, a pizza pie. I, 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 like I said, I'm on the other side of the pie. Just leave me alone. You know, I wasn't. <laughs> more happy right 10% is your circumstances though okay uh, where you live where you work how much money you make whether or not you're married some of those circumstances matter mm-hmm. but it's interesting because your health doesn't even matter as some of those other circumstances it's so interesting mm-hmm. so the, the one set of circumstances that matters more than anything else is your social interaction with other people right do you have other people? Do you have other people to talk to? Do you have other people to walk to, to, to share food with, to share your troubles with, to share your joys with? Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. And that's showing up in all the books that are coming out around the blue zones around yeah, yeah. the world. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you have faith? Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be in God. It just has to be in something, something. that's larger than you. Right. That, that's, a, that's a key determinant. Interestingly enough, marriage, people that are married tend to be happier than people that are not married. Hmm. Even though the literature doesn't say whether or not marriage makes you happier or whether happy people get married more often. I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. (laughs) And money to the degree, and I think we're going to see this happening now with what's going on, especially here in Florida. I don't know what it's like in Kansas. Mm -hmm. But um, to the degree that you can afford your lifestyle Mm -hmm. uh, and not be under stress. Right. So uh, that that's the only place that money matters. If 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 the bottom level of Maslow's triangle is taken care of, and you can afford your food and your home and your gas and whatever it takes to live, you're usually okay. Money usually doesn't matter all that much. Right. So if you double your salary, you're not going to double your happiness. happiness and they've right. done all kinds of study with lottery lottery. Right. Right. Uh, so that's that's the circumstances of life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then there's 40% of it has to do with how you think, your habits, your mm. attitudes. Uh, what are you thinking about? Who do you hang out with? What kind of hobbies do you have? Things that are totally within your voluntary control. Right. So that's where I feel I've got the most leverage. That's where I spend the most time talking when I've got a long enough engagement to get, you know, when I, I've got one program I do or I've got people for eight weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a business program that has happiness hidden inside it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's called the inside game of customer care because they have to listen to it because right. it's mandated for them to show up. Uh, so they learn all about how they can take that 40% and really make something wonderful out of it. And how do people then affect that 40%? I mean, what's kind of the, uh, the low-hanging fruit on that 40%? Exercise is the low-hanging fruit. Perfect. So exercise. Completely changes the chemicals in your body. You need more dopamine. You need more oxytocin. You need more serotonin. You need more endorf- endorphins. So when you get the, those are the chemicals of happiness in your body. There's a couple of more. Uh, but those are the, ba- the main chemicals of happiness in your body. Okay. And you can, chocolate works really well. Dark chocolate has a lot right. of that <laughs> But exercise, because the body is made to move. Um, Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught happiness at Harvard and now runs the happiness, uh, he runs a big program on happiness where mm-hmm. you can get certified with him. I can't remember the name of it, the School of Happiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, he's, a, he's known as the father of the science of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um he says that if you aren't doing 30 minutes of exercise at least a day, th- at least three days a week, your body begins to produce the depressive hormone. So you might as well be taking a depressive drug. Wow. And he also teaches that if you are doing more than that, if you are exercising on a regular basis and giving your body what the body is built for, mm-hmm. it's stronger than any other depressive drug on the, any antidepressant drug, drug on the Right. And that's been, I think, verified by Duke University. So we know that the body needs to move. Uh, so whether you turn on some loud music and get up and dance, when I work with organizations frequently, I'll have a group of people make playlists. Mm-hmm. So, And it's it's their playlist, not mine, but right. I'll have the playlist made. And then they can use that at the beginning of the meeting or the end of the meeting, mm-hmm. you know, so they can, or they can just play it. Right. You know, so it, it those kinds of things. Um what else? I, I forget the initial question because I get oh, so the, wrapped the, up. The, the 40% you can affect. So exercise affects, I said oh, kind of the low-hanging fruit. What are the, meditation. What are the meditation? Meditation is, okay. meditation is the other one. Exercise and meditation are proven. Okay. So yeah. we call that evidence-based. Right. But we also know that when people, uh, when they laugh a lot, mm-hmm. when they find things on Netflix that make them laugh, laugh right. we also know because there's something now called laughter yoga. Right. Um, be again, being with groups. There's so much that's in that. Getting a hobby that you love. Mm-hmm. Getting into the flow. What puts you into the flow state? What What is it? What activity do you do that when you're doing it, you lose track of time? Right. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is actually uh, creative creative thinking around um, like business type stuff. So creative thinking. So you put a whiteboard in front of me, and just and I just. You know, and then two or three people in a room and let's talk about any type of a business concept. And then, you know, my mind just starts or so mine's creative thinking. It wouldn't just have to be business, any type of creative thinking, solution based creative thinking or just creative thinking in general. I kind of get into that flow state. And that's one of the healthiest states you can be in. Right. Is to get into flow. And when you're not getting and flow is almost always associated with your strengths. Right. So I'm, my number one strength is creativity. So mm-hmm. you're saying that, and I'm getting chills. I'm going, oh, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I work alone now, and right. it drives me crazy, right. crazy, 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 uh, because I love being in that state. I haven't mm-hmm. been in a room with a whiteboard in so long, I can't begin to tell you. You're going to have to come to Kansas. I've got a whiteboard on my wall. We'll just go over oh, here. There you go. There right. you go. I, I decided the orange made me happier than putting up whiteboards all over the place. So <laughs> that, the, that was literally something that yes. made me happy. Right. I had a picture of a postcard that came from a, 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 something one of my dear friends and former writing partner uh, sent me. And it was a picture of a, a door in, and a wall in Tuscany. Right. And I held on to it for like 20 years. And, right. and I kept saying, someday I'm going to paint a wall that color. And then all of a sudden it was time to paint. And I pulled this thing out of a drawer and said to the painter, I want this wall color. on my wall. Right. And it makes me happy every day. Beautiful. Because yeah. it, it's an uplifting so it's finding 
it's finding those things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. It's documenting those things right. that make you happy. Uh, Marty Seligman's wife, Mandy, just started a, a website called Seeing Happy. Mm-hmm. Mandy's a photographer. Oh, right. And apparently during COVID, all of her children came home to live. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what? I thought you were all gone. You know, so when she was getting overwhelmed, she would take her camera and she would leave and she would find these moments of happiness taking these pictures. Mm -hmm. And so she started this thing where you can put your pictures in there and I can put mine. You post a picture and then something about why it makes you happy. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of people now doing this. I've met all kinds of happiness coaches. I've, I've, I've been, I just fall in love, and I fall in love with everybody. I just, I just, cause they, you know, in my yes. opinion, they all do it better than I do. So, yes. <laughs> so, but, but the, because there's always something to learn, right? It's always something, you know, all, all the books I've written had numbers in them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So when I wrote 54 ways, I, I had like 132, you know, so <laughs> I'll collect those creative ideas. I have another big file like this big called 55 more. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep collecting the ideas and mm-hmm. looking for the time and collecting the ideas. My, the, the book I started, but haven't finished writing yet is called how good can you stand it? Right. And it's about raising your, uh, upper limit for happiness. We all have an upper limit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's related to the set point, right? So right. we have this upper limit. Right. Uh, many of us experienced it as children when we were laughing, and you were referring to that mm-hmm. before, but our parents said, stop laughing. Right. You know, it's like, you're having too much fun. Right. And and it in the, in the Judeo-Christian traditions, mm-hmm. that really wasn't wild and crazy laughing, mm-hmm. rolling around on couches, tickling each other, wasn't acceptable. No, right, exactly. Yeah. So we grow up with this upper limit. Right. And I didn't realize what it was until I went to a friend's house one day and there was a post-it note on her computer and said, how good can you stand it? Mm-hmm. It just lit me up. So I said, who wrote that? And she turned me on to the woman who taught the concept. And then I started studying with her. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I really started realizing that my goal in life was to raise my uh, my my tolerance for joy and bless because i had a really low level there right and you know i would i would put if i was having too much fun on vacation i'd pick a fight so it wasn't <laughs> until i began to to a lot of people do that yeah no i yeah that's why i was laughing <laughs> i began to realize what was going on that i could consciously do it and now as i you know ostensibly my goal it, or my mission or my purpose is to create a happier planet and, mm-hmm. you know, raise the tonnage of the happiness on the planet. But I, it really crystallized for me about six or eight months ago when I realized that's not even it at all. My goal is to teach people it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right. Because no matter what happened then, mm-hmm. you can work with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're not dead yet, right? Not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> That's a good title for a book. Not, Not dead, dead yet. yet. What? Not hold. Dead yet. I, I know you have a copy of it there. Hold up the fifty-four, if you don't mind. Hold up the book. Sure. So, and 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 I'll read it for the po- people listening on the podcast. Okay. So, fifty-four ways to stay positive in a changing, challenging, and sometimes negative world. And so, give us some examples of some of those ways. What 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 would be some of the fifty-four? Okay. Well, here I just opened to one. Perfect. Okay. I'll make a wish. Simple. Drop a penny in a fountain, light a candle, and blow it out. Wish on a star. Even in the toughest times, look for hope. Think about all the generations of people that looked at the stars, the moon, the heavens above, and wished. Someone wished for you once, and their wish came true. And then there's a little workbook oh. in there. Here's what I wish. Well, that's very good. So it's I, got a lot of things like that that are interactive. Uh-huh. And um, it, it, it was, I think these are the best kind of books. I was doing a seminar in New Jersey for uh-huh. a company that I, a shipping company I worked for mm-hmm. and I was speaking mostly to customer care people and I must have said something to the effect of you know you have to find a way to stay positive and in, in what's essentially a negative world and some lady in the back raises her hand she goes okay Joanna what do you do to stay positive in a negative world right. you know so a couple of things came out of my mouth and then she said anything else and I was like you know I'm going to get back to you on that because I was on retainer. This is going to tell you how long ago this was. And once a month, I did an audio tape for them. Right, right. Yes. Right. <laughs> I said, in next month's audio tape, you're going to get 13 more ways to stay positive. And I kept going. Right. 
And when I ran out of ways that I knew, this was the topic of conversation. Be up at the, I go to the beach a lot. I have parties up at the beach. I'd ask my friends. So in this book is everybody I know has, has a page, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to write a book. Just ask for yeah, stories from your friends. And I, and I, you know, just got, I, I just asked other people and, and they would say, oh, here's what I do. One of my favorite came from a friend of mine who I was hoping to see next week, but won't. And, and this is, um, it's called Live Like a Tourist Day. Uh-huh. And Bruce Taylor is the guy that taught me to live like a tourist. Take a Wednesday off. You right. live in a place that people pay money to come to. Right. Take a Wednesday off and live like a tourist. So this has what's new and nifty in my backyard, cool places I want to explore. And it's, it's, it's you know what that is? That's a practice. That right. is a practice right. of taking. And he lives his whole life like that. Oh, very cool. And he has a perfectly lovely life. So the, one of the things that I teach is what I call positivity practices. I even have a little chart, which, you know, we'll give away at the, uh, whenever we do the summit. Summit, I yeah, the happiness summit. Uh-huh. summit. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably have given that away. Yeah, yeah. It's a little chart. You write what your practices are, your positivity practice, your happiness habits, and then you can check off the little box to see if you did it. Mm-hmm. And then you can measure your own level of happiness based on, do I feel happier on a day when I do 10 of these things? Mm-hmm. Or do I feel not happy? Or did I do I not feel as good when I don't do this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. And I put things in there that are that are spiritual. I put things in there that are related to exercise. Right. Um, I put, you know, all, all different kinds of, because it has to be a practice. It has to be a practice. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the thing that I've been hearing you as, as I'm listening to you talk, it's one, it's choosing what you're focused on, right? It's choose, and it has to, and that is part of the practice. I mean, I think part of the, 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 um, if you want to call it free will or whatever, however you want to phrase that, but it's, it's choosing that to focus on the positive or choosing and, and, and not in a Pollyanna sense of I'm going to sit here and say, you know, the, the world's an amazing, you know, the world's great, the world's great, the world's great. That, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Maybe that should be your mantra. It's not the avoidance of issues or problems or avoiding the hard things in life. It's more of where am I spending my time and my focus if I'm hearing what you're saying. I guess I'm trying to paraphrase to, to some it's degree. where am I spending my time and my focus and where do I feel gratitude and appreciation? There because the, the emotion that comes with that is the gratitude and appreciation. So the gift for me in the tough times, and mm-hmm. trust me, they've been tough. There's that wave of emotion. That's quite, yes. It's quite amazing as that comes. Yes. But the gift, the gift uh-huh. is the practices that I've had to learn to get myself out of it. Right. Now become practices to raise my tolerance for bliss and joy. Right. So I never, had I not experienced the negative things that I experienced and the PTSD and all that other stuff, I never would have walked out my door and seen the world the way I see it now. Right, of course. Yep. I walked through this very lovely neighborhood, and it's like, oh, nice neighborhood, you know? Right. Now I notice every orchid. Mm-hmm. Now I st- you know, literally stop and smell the frangipani. Right. <laughs> you know? I, I, I look at the world differently. Mm-hmm. Because what I had to do when I was doing a series of EMDR exercises, which is what you do to get you out of, to help you get out of trauma, mm-hmm. there was an exercise where you did, you know, you walked around and noticed five things that you see, five things that you hear, five mm-hmm. things that you smell, five sensations. The, the practice of doing these things that, that helps heal the trauma in your body mm-hmm. also in this particular, in that particular exercise, helps expand your ability to look at the world. Right. So I'm taking more stuff. I'm taking more beauty in now. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Such such good stuff. Um, so where can people find, uh, be, become even, uh, this has been a very inspiring podcast for me. I needed this today. I appreciate you spending the time with me today because I loved when you read your that initial story about the well and that somebody... Uh, some you know you were somebody's wish I was like that that got that got me you got me on that one um, because I was like yeah that I, that I know you know well you know I know that my for my mother especially you know I know that the 
there was bed rest and stuff at the end and she really wanted, you know, to have a child. And so I was the product of that wish. And I'd never thought of it quite that way that you phrased it before. I was like, that's interesting phraseology, right? Which is so important when we're thinking of gratitude and humility and, Absolutely. and things that, you know, that uh, I really love, I love that thought that we, we were somebody's wish. Well, you make sure to email me your address and I will send you a copy. Actually, I was going to go on Amazon and just buy it. I literally wrote the, I wrote the well, title down. I've got it in my show notes. I was going to. It's color in it. The, um, oh, the yeah, woman yeah. who, uh, it took me four years to find an illustrator. I literally carried the manuscript in my briefcase. Uh-huh. And when I finally found her, she, I, I sent her each page and she meditated. Each one of these is actually a product of a meditation. Love it. And she passed away uh-huh. just two years ago. And I had, um, I was, this book was originally published in like 2003 or something. And I was sitting in meditation, I think it was 2018. And I got a message that was so loud and so clear. It just republish your book. And I'm like, you know, you know, you talk back. I love when I talk back to the universe, you know, like I'm better than you do. And I did, I had to get back in touch with her and we had to, we had to update the drawings. Now they're, they're even a little behind now because there were a lot of, you know, we don't have VCR tapes. Anymore. <laughs> right. I, I had her, I had her do it and it was, you know, I rewrote the beginning of it. And then I found out that she died, you mm. know, I, I think now it's almost two years. Uh, and I'm like, what? Right. So that piece of advice that I got. Yeah, right. Just, so this, it lives through her. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. How do people? How, how do people stay in touch with you? How do they find out more about your work well, and my, connect with well, you? My email address is Joanna at returnonhappiness.com. Okay, beautiful. Return, Return on Happiness is my website, my main website. I uh-huh. have a few. Return on uh, Happiness. Okay. Return on Happy Joanna at Return on Happiness. There's a special report there. So if you go to returnonhappiness.com/slash/positive-doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are all these different things that you, the the report is called from positive thinking to positive doing. And it gives you a lot of ways that you can actually go do this stuff. Beautiful. Beautiful. And my, and my leadership course, I've got an online leadership course is at positiveenergizer.com. Oh, I love it. Positiveenergizer.com is a leadership course, but obviously, you know, we're all leaders in our own lives. So I would say it's probably for, you know, not just, you're leading people, whether you acknowledge it or know it or not, you're affecting people, you're leading people. Everybody. Right? Everybody. Everybody. Right. That's right. That's got to do with that big magnetic field around that big energetic field around our body. Right. You can yes. feel it. Yes. <clears throat> that's one thing I find in organizations. Uh, one of the exercises I teach is called, uh, uh, what are you broadcasting? And right. if I go back a month later or two months or, or even t- talking to them on the phone, that's the one phrase that gets picked up the most in the language. So you might tell me a story of how something went down yesterday, and then I would say, well, what were you broadcasting? Oh, interesting. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The point is that we're always broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I know we're going to see more of you. Uh, we'd love to see more of you on this podcast and also in our Bright Vibe community. Well, so I'm, I'm loving this. Yes. So, so thank you so much today. We certainly enjoyed having on the show and we certainly will enjoy visiting with you more here in the future. So thank you so much. Well, and thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You as well. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E by vibe.com. Thank you for listening.